0: All right, let's get into Exodus chapter 10 is where we are at this morning. Looking at plagues 8 and 9. The plagues are not so much fun to look at, uh, extremely interesting. Uh, But seeing people or reading about people suffering is not so much fun. Uh, Oftentimes we can. We can go, oh, those Egyptians, man, they were so evil and they needed to suffer. But keep in mind, they are suffering because of the choices of Pharaoh, their leader. So it's not that they all necessarily want to suffer. Well, of course, none of them want to suffer. But, but it's, it's this man that's making his choice. Now, obviously, there were many that were behind him. Uh, we saw that last time. Uh, but there are many that are beginning to turn, that are beginning to realize, hey, God is, you know, whatever God this is that, that this, these shepherds are talking about, Moses and Aaron, Whatever God this is, this is like the real deal, and, and hearts are beginning to shift, but Her- uh, a Pharaoh is holding fast to his pride. We are going to see plagues 8 and 9 here, plagues 8 and 9. Let's look at the first one, plague 8, where we see confronting Pharaoh, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants. We have seen that phrase over and over and over again throughout these chapters. And in the event that you are here for the first time, maybe, or you don't remember, let me just point something out real quickly. I am of the opinion, I believe that when it says, I have hardened his heart and the hearts of his servants, I believe that this is not against Pharaoh's will. I believe that Pharaoh is hardening his own heart. And that when God says, I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that um, that it's Pharaoh and his servants hardening their hearts toward God, and uh, uh, and, and so that in the process it would be like um, uh, it would be like me hardening the heart of my kids, who my kids are not little anymore, but they're 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 older now, and they still get angry at me sometimes, and that's okay, um, but but um, they they're choosing at times to be upset with me. Um, so, so in a sense, I'm hardening their heart, not necessarily by my choice, by their choice. Now, uh, some believe that it's God that's, that, that they're hardening their hearts, but that God is purposely hardening their hearts. And, um, you know, that's okay if that's what you believe, and God has every right to do that, doesn't he? If, if, in fact, he wanted to harden someone's heart against their will, well, he's got every right to do that, I guess. He created them. Nevertheless, Pharaoh, we read oftentimes, sometimes he'll read, uh, I have hardened their heart, and then sometimes it'll tell us that Pharaoh hardened his heart against God. Nevertheless, Pharaoh's heart is hardening toward God. The, the The servants of Pharaoh, many of them are hardening their hearts toward God. And it says at the end of verse 1, it gives us the reason why. God says that I may show these signs of mine before him. So it's for God's purpose, so that he can show, reveal who he is. His his signs, verse two. And he gives us the second part of the purpose, and that you may tell in the hearing of your son, and your son's son. Okay. So Moses, you're going to re, re, uh, uh, relate these things to your son, and to your grandson. The mighty things I have done in Egypt, and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. So. It's one of the main purposes that God is working in this way is so that the report of God can continue from generation to generation. So there's a pattern there that you and I get to take part in, and that is sharing what we know about God with younger generations. That is a, is a, a biblical pattern. It's uh, part of discipleship oftentimes. Now, now can someone younger in age but more mature in the Lord uh, uh, disciple someone that's older? Sure, I guess that could happen. But generally speaking, the pattern is that you and I, as we get older, that we share what we know about God with younger generations. That is, it's a biblical pattern. Uh, it's, it's not, and it's not just in the New Testament. That's exactly what God is telling Moses to do here. That's what the patriarchs, or these, you know, uh, Moses. But we can keep going back to Jacob and to Abraham, and you know, all the way back. Uh, the, the, the older people were sharing with the younger people, discipling younger people. That's the pattern, and and we get to take part in that. What an incredible um, uh, opportunity that. That uh, we get to share God's word in that way. So I know that some of you in here, uh, I know that Savannah specifically was uh, is interested in serving with children's ministry. Hannah, some of you know Hannah. I'm talking about the graduates right now. Some of you know Hannah. She's interested in serving with ministry, uh, a children's ministry, and 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 so that's that's the pattern. Is let me go find someone younger now to go share that with. Okay, so go into Pharaoh. Um, uh, rather, verse two. Um, Uh, And that you may tell in the hearing of your son and your son's son the mighty things I have done in Egypt and my signs which I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Verse 3. So Moses and Aaron came into Pharaoh and said to him, Thus says the Lord God of the Hebrews, How long will you refuse to humble yourself before me? It's a great question. Quit being so prideful. Humble yourself. Let my people go that they may serve me. I want you to see that God is giving a choice. How long is it going to be? How long will you not humble yourself? You refuse to humble yourself. Let my people go that they may serve me. So God is giving him a choice. Or else, in verse 4, if you refuse to let my people go, behold, tomorrow I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. And they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. Now, at first reading, we go locusts, uh, grasshoppers. Really, I mean, I know that they eat plants, but really they're going to do that much damage. Like this is, you know, this is one of the plagues. You know, this is one of the, the pestilences. This is this is a way that God is, is you know, he's going to use locusts. You know, what a strange thing. But. Um, some of you, I'm sure, have seen grasshoppers eat before. And I, 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 I've, uh, I've had a garden many times over the years, a little vegetable garden in, in, in my yard. It's a small space, but tomato plants in there and uh, some chili plants, of course, because my wife likes hot chili. And, uh, you know, different types of things that we've grown. I'm growing pumpkins right now. I know it's the middle of summer, but so what? It's my garden. I can do what I want. Right? Pumpkins. Yes. And, and I have seen many times grasshoppers I've seen those um, I don't remember what they're called right now but these huge caterpillars that love the tomato plants and they will just they'll, they'll eat the leaves up all day long uh, but grasshoppers I actually have a video um, I couldn't find it i don't who knows what I did with it. it's it's on the cloud somewhere floating in outer space waiting for me to find it but I couldn't find it um, but I have a video of this grasshopper on my tomato plant and it was just chomping away at the leaf. And I mean, honestly, without exaggeration, within minutes—and I'm I'm talking just a couple of minutes—it devoured an entire leaf. Now the leaves are not super big, or it's like not like a you know, it's not like a palm branch or something like that. It's a small leaf. But I watched at this as this grass grasshopper in order, it just chomp 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 chomp, and then it came back chomp 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 chomp. chomp. And just devoured the the leaf right in front of me. Before I Smashed it. Just kidding. I caught it, threw it over the fence into the back, you know, into the back lot or whatever. Get away from my potato, my tomato plants. But grasshoppers can devour very quickly. Okay. But still, we read about. Well, you know, he's going to send these these locusts, and I don't really understand how this is really going to be a big deal. Um, he says in verse four, I will bring locusts into your territory, and they shall cover. The face of the earth. So we get our first indication as to how many locusts there will be. They're going to cover the face of the earth so that no one will be able to see the earth. Okay? That's a lot of locusts. And they shall eat the residue of what is left. The residue. Which remains to you from the hail. So remember the hail was one of the plagues. And and God is saying whatever was left from that hail... Which there probably wasn't much. But whatever was left, the locusts are going to eat. So they're going to be out of crops. They won't have anything left. And they shall eat the residue of what is left, which remains to you from the hail. And they shall eat every tree which grows up for you out of the field. So not a tree left, not a plant left, not a crop left. They shall fill your houses the houses of all your servants and the houses of all the Egyptians, which neither your fathers nor your father's fathers have seen. So never in the history of Egypt have you seen something like this since the day that they were on the earth to this day. And he turned and went out from Pharaoh. So there is the warning. There's the confrontation. Verse 7, then Pharaoh's servants said to him, how long shall this man be a snare to us? let the men go that they may serve the lord their god do you not yet know that Egypt is destroyed so now his servants are beginning to say hey Pharaoh maybe we should be paying attention to what this man says every time and we're, we're here we are on the 8th plague and everything that he said has happened just the way he said it was going to happen when he said that it was going to happen so we might want to pay attention well beginning in verse 8 what we see is a compromise offered so Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh and he said to them go serve the Lord your God there it is finally the prideful heart of Pharaoh has been broken right No, obviously, because there are ten plagues, so we're not done yet. So Moses and Aaron were brought again to Pharaoh, and he said to them, "'Go serve the Lord your God.'" And then he asked this question, "'Who are the ones that are going?' Who's going?' And Moses said, "'We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters, with our flocks and our herds. We will go.'" For we must hold a feast to the Lord. Now remember, just a moment ago, his servants, Pharaoh's servants, had said to him, Listen, we've got to let him go. Let the men go. Okay, so keep everybody else here. Let the men go. That way the men will come back to their wives and to their kids, to their animals. But now Pharaoh says, Okay, who is it that's going? And and they just said, Everyone is going. We will go with our young and our old, with our sons and our daughters With our flocks and our herds we will go, for we must hold a feast to the Lord. In other words, we are not leaving one animal behind. We're taking every single person and every single animal with us. No one is staying behind. Everyone is going. Now, I I love this. For those of you that were here at the beginning of Exodus, think back for just a moment. Travel back with me. And remember that Moses was born into a peasant family. And he was placed in a basket and put in the river, in the Nile. And he was found by the daughter of Pharaoh, and and eventually, uh, uh, Moses became a part of Pharaoh's family. And when he was older, he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew. And Moses, knowing that he himself was a Hebrew, he went and attacked that Egyptian, buried him in the sand. He thought to himself, "I will, I'll, I'll, I'll save my Hebrew people." I'm I'm the savior. I, I, I can, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring about the, the, the revolution, and he went about it in the flesh. He was so prideful, and he takes an Egyptian, kills him, and buries him in the sand, buries him in the sand. So so you have this man who was born into a peasant family, who became part of Pharaoh's family, but now he is a murderer. Pharaoh finds out and wants to kill Moses, so Moses has to skip town real quick, and as he's out in the wilderness. He ends up meeting a woman there, marrying, and becoming a shepherd. And the next thing we know is that Moses, being a full-grown man, he has—he's beginning his family. Uh, he is now shepherding a flock that does not even belong to him. So he went from a peasant to uh, part of the the royal family uh, to a murderer on the run, and now he's a a, a shepherd without his own flock and. Uh, he's wandering about in the desert. So he's just gone this like the full man, the full circle. like like he's gone from from the highest height to the lowest low. and now he's wandering around in the wilderness with a flock of animals that are not even that don't even belong to him. And he's just he's just on his own out there. and 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 he's gone from being so very prideful to being so desperately unsure of himself. That God had to say, Hey, listen, Moses, I'm sending you to, to, to Egypt to speak to Pharaoh. He goes, No, nah, I, I can't do that. No, I'm sending you. Well, and he came up with these excuses, one excuse after another, until finally he was out of excuses and God said, No, you're going and this is what you're going to do. But Pharaoh had, or rather, Moses had, had gone uh, from being so very prideful to being so humble, so unsure of himself, so unsure of his own abilities, sh- so unsure of his speaking abilities. He says no there's there's just no way I'm I'm not the man I, I, I cannot do it And now what we see Is he's so sure Once again But this time not of himself Moses has learned his lesson He was prideful Went about it in the flesh Killed an Egyptian And got chased out of town Now he understands That his strength is in God Not in himself And whatever God says, that's what he stands on. And in verse 9, there's no compromise here in verse 9. We will go with our young, our old, our sons, our daughters, our flocks, and our herds. Everyone is going. Everyone. Then he said to them in verse 10, here's here's the reply of of, uh, Pharaoh. The Lord had better be with you when I let you and your little ones go. Beware, for evil is ahead of you. Verse 11, not so. It's not going to happen. Go now. You who are men, and serve the Lord, for that is what you desired. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence. What just happened is that Pharaoh offered a compromise to Moses. You're not taking everybody. And you're not taking the animals. What you can do is the men can go. And that's it. That's all that's going. Now get out of my face, he said. So you see, the world is always wanting to offer us a compromise. We're seeing that in a huge way right now. I mean, it's coming to life right before our eyes. So many churches that are being offered a compromise by the world. Listen, we will shut you down. And when the church stands up and says, no, we won't be shut down, we're going to continue to meet, we're going to continue to worship, we're going to continue to study, then the world will begin to offer compromises. The world always wants to offer you and I a compromise. Listen, 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 if you're if you're going to serve God, that's okay, okay, fine, fine, you're gonna serve God, that's all right. But just don't go crazy. Don't go to Sundays and Wednesdays, just, just choose one. Or listen, if you're going to serve God, that's fine, but listen, just go to service, don't get involved in serving. There's always a compromise offered. Or listen, listen, you can serve the Lord, but listen, you can also do this other thing on the side. I mean, really, does the Bible say anything uh, bad about smoking anyways? I mean, there's nothing really in there, right? And there's always this compromise that's offered. Well, you know, the Bible says, you know, don't get drunk. Doesn't say you can't drink. There's always a compromise offered. It's always about, hey, don't go all in for God. Just go partial. Partial. Just go part of the way. You know, don't go, don't go jumping in the deep end, man. Just, you know, stay over here where it's safe. There's always a compromise offered. Does Moses give into to it? Moses is like, no, we're going with everybody. You know, we're not, we're not leaving anybody here. Not so. Go now, you who are men, he says in verse 11. Get out of here. And they were driven out from Pharaoh's presence so in verse 12 what happens exactly what he warned them would happen the calling forth of the locusts then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt for the locusts that they may come upon the land of Egypt and eat every herb of the land all that the hail has left so Moses stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt we again we go hey the rod oh man you know it's magical You know whatever you think it was a stick that God was using to demonstrate his power then the Lord said to Moses stretch out your hand over the land of Egypt call for the locusts so in verse 13 so Moses stretched out his hand or or stretched out his rod over the land of Egypt and the Lord brought an east wind on the land all that day and all that night when it was morning The east wind brought the locusts. So notice what God is doing. He's not just bringing locusts, but he's in control not only of these insects, but he's also in control of the elements, of the wind, of the atmosphere. And and it says there that he caused an east wind on the land all that day and all that night. And when they wake up, when it, when it was morning, when it was morning, the east wind brought the locusts. So they actually wake up to locusts. You go to bed, it's windy, it's breezy. You know, you're out in the desert, whatever. It's kind of nice. Wake up in the morning, and there are locusts all over the place. I don't know if any of you um, uh, have seen uh, Hidalgo. Anybody seen Hidalgo? I've asked this before here in in this in in uh, the high school group. No, th- just you and I. You've seen Hidalgo also. Yeah great movie, right? As far as I remember, there's no cussing in there, there's no sex in there, it's it's fairly clean. The guy, the, the main character, he does start out, they show him, he's a drunk, uh, but, but through the movie he reforms, and he, he doesn't become a Christian or anything like that in the movie, but it's just, it was a good movie. And it's about uh, this old cowboy guy and uh, he goes on this race out in the desert and uh, it's, it's just an excellent movie but in the movie there's a portion where he's in the middle of this death race out in the like the Arabian desert I think it was I don't remember exactly where it was but um, but as he's out there all of a sudden he sees this cloud coming through this dark cloud and it's like what is that and realizes that it's just this huge cloud of locusts and uh, he's He's trying to get his horse, you know, away from it. And uh, they, they kind of, they, he pulls his ho- horse to the ground and they cover themselves. And as it, after it passes, uh, they get up and they they get up and there's just locusts, dead locusts all over the ground. And they actually begin to eat the, the grasshoppers. Um, but it, th- that's th- that must have been what, what it looked like. It's like you wake up and there's just locusts covering the earth. And they're eating everything. Verse 14. And the locusts went up over all the land of Egypt and rested on all the territory of Egypt. They were very severe. Previously, there had been no such locusts as they, nor shall there be such after them. In other words, what God did was unique, could not be copied. He did it once, and that was it. Verse 15, for they covered the face of the whole earth, so that the land was darkened. And they ate every herb of the land and all the fruit of the trees which the hail had left. So there remained nothing green on the trees or on the plants of the field throughout all the land of Egypt. So God, using the locusts, stripped, completely stripped their land. Completely stripped their land. Now again, lest you and I think, well, God is so mean, and why would he do such a thing? Which plague are we on? Oh, the eighth. The eighth. The eighth plague. That means there have been seven leading up to this, and Pharaoh still has not given in. Eight times. Eight times, God has sent a plague. And Pharaoh won't bend his knee, won't bend his will. So you and I can never say, well, God is impatient or he's mean. No, he's given up to this point, he's given them eight opportunities to turn. But they wouldn't. Set or Seth is the name of the God. Remember that at each time as God is sending a plague, there is, it, it, it is an assault on one of the Egyptian gods. Sometimes there's the possibility of it being an assault on several of the Egyptian gods. Who, by the way, were false gods. But Set, S-E-T, or Seth, S-E-T-H, was thought to be the protector of crops, God of deserts, thunderstorms, but also chaos. And so as God shows his power, it's not just showing his power over locusts, over the elements, but it's God showing his power that he is stronger than their own God, who was thought to be the protector of these things of the crops, of the deserts, of the thunderstorms, the elements. God says, no, listen, I'm in charge. Remember that Pharaoh had asked the question, who is the Lord? So God has set out eight times to show him, I'm the Lord. This is who the Lord is. And here he does it once again. In verse 16, we see him calling off the locusts. Then Pharaoh called for Moses and Aaron in haste. And said, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Sounds like a great start, right? Look what he says. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once and entreat the Lord your God that he may take away from me this death only. So he went out from Pharaoh and entreated the Lord. And the Lord turned a very strong west wind, which took the locusts away and blew them into the Red Sea. There remained not one locust in all the territory of Egypt. Everything's good, right? Verse 20. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he did not let the children of Israel go. Now, I want you to take note, before we move into the, sec- the, the next plague, plague 9, and finish this thing off, I want you to listen to what, what uh, uh, Pharaoh says. Pharaoh says in verse 16, I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. Verse 17, now therefore, please forgive my sin only this once, and entreat the Lord that he may take away from me this death only. The language, the lingo was there. I mean, Pharaoh was talking a big game. He was—he had the right language, he had the right words. Pharaoh, we might say, spoke. He understood and spoke Christianese very, very well. He has—he's learned these vocabulary words from from Moses and from Aaron about forgiveness and uh, sin and uh, entreating the Lord, take away from me this death only. You and I must be careful that oftentimes when the world is seeking to compromise, to to, to lay a compromise before us, to, to get us to compromise our faith, oftentimes they're going to know the right words to say, the right lingo. I can't tell you how many times I've had salesmen come to the house To want to sell me Windows or sell me this or sell me that, whatever it might be. And it always, the question always comes around to, "So what do you do for a living?" Why do they ask that? Because they want to know how much money I have. How much money do you make? They don't ask that though. They don't just say, "Hey, how much money do you make?" They'll say, "So what do you do for a living?" I'll tell them, "Well, I work at a church. I'm, I'm an assistant pastor." I can't tell you how many times I've heard them say, "Oh, praise the Lord." It's like, really, like. Are you a christian yeah 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 i go to church and well what church you go to well i'm we're kind of looking for a new church right now because well, you know the whole COVID, COVID thing you know our church just goes so we're looking for another church it's like you're lying through your teeth buddy and i'm one of those guys it's like really you go to church well oh we're not going right now well what church did you go to what's the pastor's name do you You know, do you know, you know, do you know, uh, well, uh, well, you know, we weren't there for very long, you know, it's, it's the, it's the right language, it's the right lingo, it's, it's, hey, listen, sin and forgiveness and repentance and, hey, God is good all the time, all the time, God is good, you know, and they learn these little catchphrases because they're attempting to, to get us to sway, they're trying to sway us, and so you and I must be careful that we are holding fast that we have that discernment, we're praying for discernment that God would, that we would know the difference between what is right and what is wrong. That we would see through the, the charade. And that we would be able to to go, no, this person is not genuine. This person is attempting to get me to compromise. Listen, you gotta be careful, ladies. Let me talk to the ladies for, for just a moment. The guys, just hang out, I'll be right back. Okay? <laughs> guys, you can text each other or whatever. Just kidding, don't do that. But ladies, listen, you got to be careful. Because once the guy finds out that you're a Christian, all of a sudden, man, like, oh, that's funny. I've been looking for a new youth group to join. Really? I'm t- How many times have I seen it over the years? I'm like 60 years old. I've seen it for a long time. I've seen it. It's like, oh, look at that. There's, the, there's a new dude coming in. Until something goes wrong in the relationship, and then, boom, he's out. Because he was never genuine in the first place. So you have to be careful, ladies, because they will say, uh, oh, you're a Christian, praise the Lord. You need to ask those questions. Investigate. Don't let that snake just come in and take whatever he wants. You don't owe him anything. There's nothing that you owe him. So see if he's genuine. Test it don't just let him come in and speak his christianese and you know oh you know and he'll start uh, all of a sudden he'll he'll just know some 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 some, uh, some king solomon poetry and he'll start you know dropping that on you and like oh you know you you've got teeth like a like a, a you know the tower of whatever and you know your hair is like a gazelle and whatever else and you'll just be you know he'll smell so good that you just won't even hear what he's saying and just woo, you know i'm you know i'm all yours let's you know so you have to be careful. Same thing with the guys, because the girls, I've seen girls do it also. I've seen girls do it also. Like all of a sudden they're Christians and they got the right language, and they got the right lingo. So you must be careful, guys. Guard your heart. Guard your heart. And again, test it. Are they are they deeper than those little catchphrases that they're that they're using? Are they deeper than that? And and drop something on them like Oh, so uh, oh, you're a Christian, right? I know that. So, so, like, what, what what book of the Bible are you reading right now? Oh, well, I, 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 yeah, you know, I, you know, I, why well, I need to get your Bible? Because you know, like, whatever. They'll come up with all kinds of stuff. So you got to test them. Again, guys. Don't just toss your heart out there because she's got, you know, long hair and she smells good also or, you know, because, boy, look at the short shorts that she wears or whatever, you know, whatever she may be doing to put herself on display. Be careful. Guard your heart. He speaks all the right language, but it's fake. Pharaoh's a phony because in verse 20 after speaking about listen I've sinned against the Lord against you please forgive me my sin and treat the Lord then in verse 20 he did not let the children of Israel go he was a fake let's let's move quickly through here we got to get you guys out of here through plague number nine plague number nine And you're like you know we got to move through you got to move through Chris shut up here we go plague number nine darkness the first thing that we're going to see is no warning verse 21 Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be darkness over the land of Egypt, darkness which may even be felt. I cannot lie. I have no idea what he's talking about. I've never never experienced a darkness that you can feel. Okay? But let's look at it. Verse 22. So Moses stretched out his hand toward heaven, and there was thick darkness in all the land of Egypt. Three days. Now look at this. This is how bad it was in verse 23. They did not see one another nor did anyone rise from his place for three days. But all the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. As God hands out this next plague of darkness it is a darkness that can be felt. I do not understand that. I don't have an example of that. I've been in dark places where you can't see anything, and it's so dark that your eyes don't adjust. You know, they're trying to adjust. Some of you have probably been in similar situations. And it's just, I, 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 and that's for moments at a time, and my eyes just straining to make something out, and, and you know, nothing's, nothing's happening. Here, this is a darkness that was just, they were not able to see themselves, but also at the end of verse 21, the darkness was heavy. We're told um, uh, also in verse 22 that it was thick darkness, So it was a darkness that had some sort of consistency to it. I do not understand that. But this is something that God obviously supernaturally has produced. All the children of Israel had light in their dwellings. Again, Ra, R-A, Ra, the sun god, who was thought to be in charge and and, uh, 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 controlled the sun. God is showing, listen, Ra's got no power over the sun. God is showing, I've got power over the sun. I created it it's mine I do with it as I please no warning there this time and the next thing that we see in verse 24 is no compromise then Pharaoh called to Moses and said go serve the Lord only let your flocks and your herds be kept back let your little ones also go with you so notice again go partially he's offering this compromise once again but in a sense there's no compromise from the heart of Pharaoh like no I'm not letting you all go I'm not going along with what you want to go with but he does offer this compromise let your flocks and your herds be kept back let your little ones go with you so all the people can go but leave your animals see because they wouldn't survive long without animals and they would need to come back to get their animals so Pharaoh is using that as security and in verse 25 but Moses said You must also give us sacrifices and burnt offerings that we may sacrifice to the Lord our God. Our livestock also shall go with us. Not a hoof shall be left behind, for we must take some of them to serve the Lord our God. And even we do not know with what we must serve the Lord until we arrive there. We've got to take our animals because we don't know what God is going to require from us as we we offer these sacrifices. They would butcher and, and offer animals to God. And Pharaoh saying, No. You can go, but you can't take your elements of worship. Sound familiar? Well, you guys can meet, just no singing. And a lot of churches have bowed to that. And then there are some troublemakers who have said, No. We're going to get together and we're going to sing. And in fact, we're going to get together and we're going to sing even louder. So that certain people in certain offices around the state can hear us. (laughs) And there's no compromise. We're not, no, we're not doing that. You can go, but don't go all the way. We want to be sold out for God. There's nothing left. I'm not holding anything back. So that the young man comes along to young ladies like, hey, baby, what's up? And this and that. Hey, listen, man, I got nothing for you. I gave it all to God. If you want some of it, you can go talk to him. I'm his. Same thing with the guys. Sorry, sorry. I got I got nothing left for you. Uh, it's, it all belongs to God. No compromise. No 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 partial. He would not let the people go in verse twenty seven. Then Pharaoh said to him, "Get away from me. Take heed to yourself and see my face no more. For in the day you see my face." You shall die. And Moses said to him, you have spoken well. It's like this is the first good thing you said. I will never see your face again in verse 29. What? Plagues aren't even over yet. We're only on nine. What does he mean he's never going to see his face again? We'll see how that turns out. We have seen God put his his, uh, power on display. In the lives of two different people. In the life of Pharaoh, he has put his power on display in the life of Pharaoh. But it has been a negative experience. Pharaoh has not been receptive to any of it. And yet God has glorified himself even in and through the life of Pharaoh. With his hard heart with his with his unhindered pride. And God can do that. Even through the hardness of someone's heart, he may still work. But how much better to be like Moses. Because you see God showed his power through Moses also. Put it on display. But for Moses, it was a much more positive experience, wasn't it? Not only is Moses being used by God to put God on display in his power, but at the same time, as he humbles himself and and, uh, uh, receives all that God wants to do, he is learning about God and learning from God and learning who God is in the process. So you and I must decide. God will glorify himself. He will accomplish his purpose. Do we want him to do that in us? As we go about it begrudgingly, as we dig in our heels and say, no, God, I don't want you to use me. I don't want you to to work through me. Stop, knock it off. Listen, if God determines it, he's going to do it. Wouldn't it be so much better to be like Moses to say, hey, I'm scared to death. Scared to death. I can't do this. But if you want me to go, I'll go. I don't want to go, but I'll go. And for God to use us, even when we're hesitant maybe, but still willing. Let's let God have every bit of us. No compromise. Not selling out for anything else but God. just want to be sold out for God. Father.